things, right? Horses, every horse kind of has bells. They're just common things. The Bible says, even the end of the Lord. Because when Jesus comes, he will have, you know, he'll, you know, bind up the devil for a thousand years, and oh, it's going to be a great, great time of peace and righteousness on earth. So everything has meaning and purpose, and we're just so thankful for the children and relaying the message of the evergreen tree and the ornaments and the lights, the angel and the gifts and all of that. It all ties into Jesus. So let me share with you just a few thoughts from the Gospel of John. Well, actually, from the Apostle John. Um, listen, listen to how John explains the symbol of Christmas, not just the symbol, the meaning of Christmas and Jesus Christ. In John chapter 1, God's Word says this, In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God, He was in the beginning with God. Now, we're trying to figure out who is the word that John is speaking about that not only was the word, but he was with God and was God. John 1.14 says, And the word became flesh and dwelt among us. So we know that John, when he's talking about the word word, he means a person, Jesus Christ. All right, so Jesus Christ is eternal God. He never had a beginning, although he was born in Bethlehem as a babe. He always has existed as God. The Bible says, in verse 3, all things were made through him. So the Godhead, Father, Son, and Spirit, had a plan to create everything out of no pre-existing material. The Bible says right here in this verse, all things were made through him, Jesus Christ. So Jesus Christ is the one who formed our, our watery globe, and like Proverbs 8 says, he said it spinning. And then Jesus said, let there be light. Instantly, light is, sh- is shining on this, this um, circular, spherical globe, this watery mixture. Then the Lord says, let the dry- oh, he stretched out the firmament. Let there be a firmament in the midst of the waters. And there was a space made in this watery globe, and the Lord stretched out our universe. Gigantic universe, by the way. He did it simply by speaking. No stars, moon, or sun, but just simply the empty universe. Then the Lord said, let the dry land appear. And Jesus no sooner had to speak it than all of a sudden all that, all the, the sand particles that would make up our rocks and, and all of our mountains and things instantly came together. And then the Lord said, let vegetation spring forth. Can you imagine? No sooner does Jesus speak it than flowers and grasses and trees and bushes and shrubs of all varieties appear on the dry land. Phenomenal. Of course, we know that the Lord, um, on day four, he filled the universe. It says he made a sun to rule the day and a moon to rule the night. He just called it into existence, and all of a sudden it's there. We just take it for granted, but it hasn't always been there. And then it says he made the stars also. Almost like, an, almost like a quick afterthought of it. It was no problem for him to simply call forth every single star in the universe. Do you know the Hubble telescope, not too long ago, looked at the Big Dipper. So if you take the Dipper of the Big Dipper and you divide it into 25,000 parts, got it? You're taking that Big Dipper and dividing it into 25,000 parts. The Hubble telescope in on one of the 25,000 parts, one 25,000th of the Big Dipper, where there's nothing there. And everybody thought, what a foolish way to use this telescope. It is expensive to, to use it. Why would you look at nothing? 
They zeroed in on this empty so-called space. They found 40 million galaxies. Each galaxy having over 100 million stars. And you can't even see it with the naked eye. It looks like empty space. Is our God not good? Is Jesus Christ not miraculous? Isn't he incredible? Wow. No wonder why when God is talking to Job, and Job is really frustrated with God because of the trials and issues with life, God says, Job, don't forget that I'm God. I put the constellations in place. I built this earth. Were you there? Do you know what's going on? Then how dare you challenge me? You need to simply accept that I'm God and I'm good. And I can, I'm good at being God. Boy, Job was learning his lesson quickly, wasn't he? Well, then Jesus Christ formed all the fish of the sea and all the birds of the air. And then he, I, think he, I think he came down upon this planet on the sixth day, scooped up, after creating all the creeping things on earth, scooped up some dust and formed man in his image so that man could have a relationship with him so that man could commune with God and talk to God and live with God and serve God and love God. Isn't that a beautiful thought? Of course, Adam was without life, formed out of the dust of the ground, two hands, two feet, eyes, nose, mouth. But then Jesus Christ breathed into Adam the breath of life, and Adam became alive, a living being. Wow. I bet when Adam looked into the eyes of Jesus, he said, thank you for creating me. My life, my existence, everything that I have is because of you, and I serve you with my whole heart, with a glad mind and a happy spirit. And what, day, what, what joyful sixth day that was. Of course, Adam went to, God put Adam into a sleep, took a rib out and formed Eve, and then the first marriage, beauty, right? But there was one command that God gave to Adam, that Adam ate of one tree in the garden. You can eat of any tree. Have as much as you want. Eat every possible fruit and seed you want. But one thing you cannot touch, you cannot eat, and it's the fruit of the tree of knowledge and good and evil. For Adam, in the day that you eat it, you will surely die. You will die. That is going to be the consequence for transgressing, for disobeying my command. Only one command. Of course, we know the story. The serpent has, has uh, crept into the garden. And he is opposing God, and he has rebelled against God, and he wants to take all of mankind on his side against God, to dethrone and to kill God. And so he comes to that first couple, and he deceives Eve, twisting God's word. By the way, isn't that common for the world to twist God's word? Causing Eve to doubt God's word, and, and possibly even right now he's doing the same thing with you, doubting God's word. Maybe it's been twisted before in your past, but not, maybe not today. So Eve took of the fruit, and then she ate of it, and she gave it to Adam, who was with her. And the moment when Adam ate that, and it just went down into his esophagus and into his stomach, he knew, I have sinned against a holy God. And God says, the wages, the payment, the earning of my sin is death, separation. Not only physical death, separating spirit and soul from the body, but or that's physical death, but spiritual death. He no longer could commune and relate and have fellowship with God. He was separated, broken from God by his sin. Now, if I was God, thankfully I'm not, but if I was God, I would say, I told you, now you will perish in a lake of fire, eternal hell, and that's good because you deserve it. How dare you do this to me? 
I created you, I gave you life, and now you turn and rebel against me to kill me and to dethrone me, to take over your own type of universe, you sick person. God doesn't do that. You know what he does? He has Adam, Eve, and the devil, the serpent, right in front of him in the garden. Oh, by the way, I've said this before, but you know, in the Hebrew, it's kind of interesting. It says, and, and you know how Adam and God walked in the cool of the day? That phrase, cool of the day, literally ruach, it's also used in the Bible for a whirlwind storm. Like a splintering, high wind, high velocity, thunderous, lightning, noisy storm. Same word. I don't think that God walked in the cool of the day going, Adam, where are you? Come on out wherever you are. Come on, Adam. I think Adam knew I have sinned against God, and when he comes, he is going to kill me. He promised he would. He said, surely you will die. I think when God showed up in the garden, he came as a whirlwind, just like he did to Job in chapter 37. I think he came in a whirlwind, and he was breaking trees and breaking everything, and Adam's going, I deserve this. I have sinned against God. He's going to kill me. But then you know what God does? He gives grace. He says, I am sending the seed of a woman who will destroy the works of the devil, crush the devil's head. I will take care of your sin. I will pay for your sin. I will crush the devil, and I will put an end to all rebellion. But you must have faith in me. It is by faith alone in me. If you add your works to it, if you add your religious duties, your, your, your rituals, God says you cancel out what I have offered you, and you will perish in your sin. God said there is nothing you can do to earn against me and you deserve eternal punishment but I will rescue you through the woman what a glorious plan that God in his grace would let us out of eternal by way of his very own son so everybody from that point on they were waiting for the boy to be born every Jewish mother is this the Messiah is this the Messiah and then one day the angel Gabriel shows up to a virgin named Mary maybe a 12 or 13 Nazareth and says, Mary, God has chosen you to bring forth the Messiah, the Holy One of God, the King of Israel, who will sit on the Wow. Mary now knows she's, she is the is that, a, is that incredible? <coughs> was born. He died on the cross, and when he died, Every sin of mankind was paid for. Jesus suffered on the cross, not just the pain of the nails. Can I tell you, honestly? Tens of thousands, if not hundreds of thousands of people have been crucified. Some, some groups in the Middle East are crucifying people now. So crucifixion is not like... Uh, it wasn't, it's not like Jesus was the only one crucified. What happened when Jesus was hanging on the tree? All of your sin was placed on Jesus, my sin placed on Jesus, and God the Father forsook his own son while Jesus bore whatever an eternal punishment in a lake of fire feels like. Jesus felt that full weight and torment. Such anguish that on the cross, Jesus cried out, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? God didn't forsake Eve. He gave a rescue plan. He hasn't forsaken you and I. We trust he did forsake his son on the cross for you and I. 
So I had a Bible study at Proctor High School. Believe it or not, a public high school during the school day, a Bible study. I don't know if any other public school in America would be doing that right now. But I've been given permission. And the other day I asked my students, I said, um, they've been with me about two and a half months hearing the gospel every week. And so I have, I'm in the auditorium. I have 60 to 70 students, mostly unsaved. They don't know much about Jesus. But I said, I said and I've been telling them how the devil has lied to this world. The devil has blinded our eyes so we might not see Jesus. I said, tell me what you think about Christmas. And just like the children up here, my public school students said, when I, I said, when I say Christmas, give me the first thought on your mind. What did I get? Christmas trees, stockings, Santa, presents, reindeer, food, parties. I got all of that. And I said, stop. What have I been oh, Christmas is about Jesus. I think it's not. I said, see, see how Satan has lied to you? I said, Jesus Christ has taken upon himself flesh. When Mary held that baby, what, a seven-pound baby, maybe 21 inches long? Okay, that was me. Um, but, but whatever Jesus was in weight and size, you know, he was a normal baby. He was divine, God in human flesh. She was holding the one who created the one who created this world, she was holding in her arms, and he was absolutely dependent on her. And then she's teaching him how to walk. Joseph and Mary, right, Jesus, one step at a time. He, he is the one who has tread upon all the universe with his power and glory. And then she's like, Jesus, hold a pencil like this when you write in Hebrew script. Oh, and this is the letter A, Jesus. I mean, he had to learn that. He was fully human and fully God. God, who, who knows everything, has to be taught to read and write. And his hands have to be taught how to fashion. A man, we needed a human being without sin to pay for our sin. But we also needed a divine, because only God can pay an eternal debt for us. And it's all found in the person of Jesus Christ. Just like our children said this morning, that is the meaning of Christmas. Everything points to him. And so it's exciting. So you want to know what my high school students are saying right now? 60 to 70 of them. They're like, Mr. Wita, if this is true, if it's a matter of life or death in eternity, then how come every school doesn't have this? And how come everybody is not required to come to the auditorium for this lesson? And I said, because our government and our country has kicked God out of school. Our Congress used to print Bibles. Every college in America used to teach the Bible, and now it's no longer permitted. Why? Because Satan does not want us to hear this. So maybe today you are here, and now you just you understand, we have sinned against a holy God. And if we try to add our religious duties, God looks at that and says, that is not sufficient. There's no way that you can gain favor by being good enough. You've got to be 100% perfect, and we're not. You can't be religious enough. You could go to church, read your Bible, and pray every single day and still go to hell. Because it's not about what you do for God. It is what he has already accomplished on your behalf. Isn't that amazing? So one of my students just, can I tell you one more quick story? Then I know it's, it's going to be time, but so can I tell you one more quick story? So there's a, a young, young boy, I think he's 11th grade. Yeah, 11th grade. And he's like... Mr. Wheater, you mean Jesus is offered to everybody in the world? All 7 billion plus people? I'm like, 
And, and he's like, well, um, how come everybody doesn't believe? And I, I said, well, do you believe? And he said, sure. And I said, picture this. I said, picture that, because he, he didn't feel it was fair, all right, that people would go to hell because they don't believe in Jesus. And I said, picture this. Picture that you have a, a, pa- a Christmas package underneath the tree at my house, and it has your name in it. It is paid for, and it has your name in it. I said, um, what is that present yours? He said, well, it's mine right now. I'm like, well, no, it's not. It's, it's at my house under the Christmas tree. He's like, well, I suppose um, you have to give it to me. I'm like, well, no, I've already given it to you. It's got your name on it. When, do you actually, when is it actually your possession? And he, he finally figured it out when I receive it, when I take it. Then it's mine, and I can wear it or do whatever. I said, in the same sense, since Jesus Christ has paid everybody's sins, it's like we have a package called eternal life with everybody's name on it. Eternal life with Jesus forever in heaven, a perfect place, no sin. And and it's available for everybody. But in order to receive it, you must place your faith or trust in Jesus Christ. And many people will bypass that gift and do it their own way, and they will perish. I said, but you must... Receive Jesus Christ by faith. He's like, I work for it. I, I want it. And it's like right there. His eyes lit up and he's like, I get it. It makes so much sense. That's what I want you to experience. That God has given to you eternal life and this life is in his son. He who has the son has life. He who does not have the son, I don't care how much religion you have, you do not have life. There's nothing greater than the story, really. And someday for you and I who believe in Jesus, who have trusted him, we will see him face to face. We will hold him. We will hug him. We will bow before him. We will be by his side for all, for all eternity. Doesn't that give you hope? In, in a really, there's nothing. Nothing here in the world is going to satisfy our last. Christ will. He will satisfy, and he will last for eternity. So put your, put your desires and your love and devotion, not into things, but into Jesus Christ. Oh, so the other day, my, my students were saying, well, you love your wife more than, your, than you love Jesus. I'm like, absolutely not. I love Jesus way more than I love my wife. Say that to a bunch of high school kids. I love Jesus way more than I love my wife. What are they going to do? Oh, man, did they go crazy. They're like, you're sick, Mr. Weida. This is awful. You've you got to love your wife more. I said, no. Until I love Jesus more, I can never love my wife properly. And so they're beginning to get it. And I'm excited for what for the Bible study. You know, right now, I'm concerned about you. I really want you to trust Jesus Christ as your Savior. Without him, you will perish. So let's pray. Just take a moment as you think about the music of the children. Joy to the world. Oh, come all ye faithful. Do you, do you have faith in Jesus Christ? Listen to be joyful because you have a relationship with the Creator who became our Savior. I would beg you, honest, I would beg you and beg you to place your faith in Jesus Christ alone. Don't trust your own good works, any type of religious duty or ritual. It will not, it will not bring you the joy and the peace and eternal life. That is found in a person 
who has accomplished something He has paid your sin once for all and risen from the dead. Will you trust him for that? The Bible says when you trust him, you are given eternal life. You are clothed in his righteousness. And then God the Father sees you as righteous as his own son. We'd be foolish to to reject that. I thank you for being here. There is a reason we are here today. Father, I thank you so much for this message of the gospel, shared by the children, given by your word, sung by these people today. Um, I pray that everyone in the presence of, of this room here will have the assurance that their faith is in Jesus Christ. They are not trusting themselves or their religion, but they are trusting in a person, Jesus Christ, God in flesh. Thank you, Father, for the Lord Jesus making the payment for us and rising victoriously from the dead. And our time on earth is limited. There's not many days and weeks and months left before the Lord's return and, or before we die. Um, either way, for each one of us, our time on earth is short. I pray that today is the day of salvation for many here. And I know not only will we be rejoicing when that, but even the believers in heaven will be rejoicing that another human being, another man, woman, boy, or girl, trusted Jesus and is given eternal life. Thank you, Jesus, for reminding us that, that this is what Christmas is all about, your death and resurrection. And so we remember now the celebration and the tree and the gifts, but most of all, we, we know and love Jesus. Bless each family and watch over them. Um, bring this good news to extended family, friends, and neighbors. For the praise and glory of Jesus Christ, we ask. Amen. Amen.